0: When you are finished, hang up or hold for more options.
1: We've looked at the Hollywood-based movie studios and how they indoctrinate the youth, defame whole populations, and use unethical, predatory, and illegal business practices to keep the control group in power and deem everyone else unsolicited objects. Now let's take a look at how the New York-based mainstream media has expanded Hollywood's predatory business practices to indoctrinate and control us when we are older. This is where the real action takes place because after years of processing from politically correct Hollywood movies, the average young adult is now willing to swallow almost any lie about any person, company, or presidential candidate that is promoted or demonized by the corporate fascists in the New York Network's control group. Yes, TV advertising is very expensive, thus only billionaires, large corporations, unions, associations, super PAC-funded candidates, and governments can afford fees of $5,000 to $1 million per minute. Only the rich, therefore, get to advertise and promote their products, causes, and issues On network TV
2: in Hillary Clinton's America the system stays rigged against Americans
3: the amount of money it costs today to run run for Congress or or even to run for president is obscene and most of that money goes into television commercials and spots and all of the mass media advertising that needs to be done to reach a vast number of people therefore the media becomes the client of the government or at least the person who's running for office And when that person wins, if the media has supported him, naturally he wants to pay them back. He may not think of that consciously, but in appropriating licenses and expanding territories and allowing them to own more than one media outlet, that's exactly what happens. As a result, the number of media companies, as we said before, has concentrated in a few hands. And unfortunately, Congress and the media work together to present an image to the American people that does not always include every aspect of the truth. The public thus gets advertisements, programs, and
1: so-called fake news that endlessly distort reality by spinning issues to align with the agenda of the Mass Media Control Group. This means American citizens are exposed to a very selective and narrow spectrum of products, issues, and causes on network TV.
4: Anderson, this is a significant development. Let's say
5: we're talking about uh, some applicants for employment as anchors on a news program, major media news program. And so here we have three, A, B, and C. And they're all equally uh, talented. They would all be capable of performing that function. One is a conservative, one is a moderate, and one is a liberal. And if the choice by the media mogul who's hiring these people is, well, I'm going to take the liberal because I want to promote a political ideology, I want to use my media power to promote that type of political policy, would we say that's restraint of trade? Well, it's not restraint of trade perhaps in the economic sense because the person who is chosen, the liberal who is chosen, has the ability to perform that job equally with the other two. But it's restraint of trade in these ideas. And if you think of the media as being as having some kind of duty to the public to provide uh, a broad spectrum of political ideas, some kind of political diversity, you'd say, well, yes, this is a kind of restraint of trade.
1: Let's take a look at some of the products, issues, and causes we do see in TV advertisements, on the evening news, and in various programs, to the exclusion of all others. Some of the products we see ad nauseam are pharmaceutical drugs, oil-burning cars, debt-peddling banks, sickness-exploiting insurance, brain cell-killing liquor.
6: Six major conglomerates that control almost all of the mainstream media, and they're right in bed with Big Pharma, and right in bed with the big defense contractors. Who do you see advertising on TV? It's pharmaceutical companies, it's the car manufacturers who are being subsidized by the U.S. government. So you've got these major corporations that are all in bed together. They're in the club, like like George Carlin said. There's a club, you're not in it.
1: Rarely or never seen are vitamins, electric cars, guns for self-protection, fusion, solar, or anything Nikola Tesla invented
7: or would have approved of. I don't think no country worldwide will have real freedom before free energy and free uncontrollable communications. That's when freedom will come. Uh, hundred, more than 100 years ago, Tesla was talking about this. And uh, I don't think what's really happening, why? We have to send all these troops out to protect pipelines and produce all these weapons, get in a war for energy, get communications controlled that much, and spend billions of the dollars. Then we can really have our own energy here, and other countries can have, or we can just take energy from our distribute to the earth. Standard of the living will be perfect, and everybody will be free. That would be really freedom. Issues
1: constantly pushed are gun control, but never the militia of the several states. Gay marriage, but rarely traditional marriage. Keynesian economics, but never Austrian economics.
8: If people care about peace and prosperity, they have no choice. They have to go with free market, Austrian economics, and they have to give up on regulations and economic controls by the Keynesian ideas.
1: Socialized medicine, but never free market competition in the health industry. Radical women's lib, but never stay-at-home moms. The living constitution, but never the original intent of the founders. Incarceration for drug users, but rarely rehabilitation. Big pharma-assisted psychiatry, but never meditation or pastoral counseling.
0: The reason why so many people are on pharmaceutical drugs today, specifically psychiatric drugs, is because the psychiatrists are convincing the public that they have a brain abnormality with no science, no facts, just based off of checklists. It's very subjective. So the marketing has been that there's something wrong with your brain, when in fact, it's there's no science behind it.
3: Depression, a serious medical condition affecting over 20 million Americans. While the cause is unknown, Depression may be related to an imbalance of natural chemicals between nerve cells in the brain. Prescription Zoloft works to correct this imbalance.
0: And the drugs actually hurt the brain. And the drugs increase violence, cause psychosis, mania, and this is a terrible thing that is happening to the public. So it's false advertising. Including risk
9: of suicide may occur. Other side effects may include dry mouth. The most nausea. common side effects are dry mouth,
6: headache, constipation, and abdominal pain. Dizzy when you stand up.
1: Headache, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. Could be side effects. And as far as causes, the mainstream media endlessly pushes the progressive cause, but rarely the conservative cause. The Democrats are heroes,
10: but the Republicans are villains. You know the activists. You know, gang up on the conservatives and vice versa and that exists within the studio system as well. And the media drives Hollywood and, uh, and has a big impact because they, they do all the promotion of all this activist agenda that we see creeping into our television series today and most of our movies.
1: Donald Trump is unfit for office, but Hillary Clinton is what America needs. Collectivism is for the greater good but individualism is selfish. Multiculturalism is the future, but assimilation is xenophobic. Socialism is good, but capitalism is evil. Cooperation is desired, but competition is Darwinian. The 20th century
5: taught any lesson whatsoever. It was that socialism was not only unworkable, but it was vastly destructive. It right? Killed millions and millions of people, caused wars and so forth and so on, economic uh, collapse. You name it. Socialism was an idea that should have been proven by the 20th century to be completely useless. And what do we have today? Well, the major media people, they're still
1: promoting socialistic ideas. Welfare is more important than national defense. Globalization is good, but anything else is isolationist. Tariffs are bad, but taxes are a godsend. Secularism is sane, but religion is loony. World government is progressive, but national sovereignty is
4: fascist. I think the United States should say to other nations, look, we've built a pretty good deal here. We've got a pretty good thing going in this United States of America. Why don't you adopt what we've done, right? Here's a copy of our Constitution. Take it, use it, right? And, and we'll get back to using it more ourselves while you're doing that as well. Big government is
1: necessary, but limited government is obsolete. Political correctness is proper, but all else is hate speech. Gold and silver are archaic, but fiat currency is modern. As one can see, there are many products, issues, and causes the mainstream media promotes and suppresses. It would be difficult to cover all that's suppressed, but these things could be classified as ideas, inventions, and innovations that stand between our current stagnant civilization and what our civilization could be with the power of creative individuals not truncated by media trolls on the bridge to liberty.
11: I'm going to take down all your information and pass it along to the right person.
1: It seems that the criteria the mainstream media uses to determine what it will promote and what it will suppress can almost be summarized in a single word, collectivism.
9: Collectivism is merely uh, the broad description for an ideology that is based on certain principles, but the main one being that the group, the collective, is more important than the individual, and that the individual should be sacrificed if necessary for the greater good of the greater number. And if you can get that concept in your mind that wait a minute, it's not a question of numbers, but of human rights and the dignity of an individual. And then if you say that the individual is the cornerstone of society, and that to protect the rights of the individual, if you can do that, that is the greater good for the greater number, then you're on target again.
1: The control group operates on a collectivist philosophy, an anti-competition, anti-free market philosophy that promotes the central planning F.A. Hayek warned us about in The Road to Serfdom.
8: If people care about peace and prosperity, they have no choice. They have to go with free market, Austrian economics, and they have to give up on regulations and economic controls by the Keynesian ideas.
1: The collectivist is thus always seeking to maximize profit through consolidation a consolidation he justifies by economies of scale. The problem with his smokestack economic theory is that it relies on globalization to increase stockholder value rather than innovation. In other words, the globalist seeks profit by selling more of the same tired products across global markets than attempting to produce new and better products through innovation. So the obsession with consolidation is actually a pathology of the collectivist mentality dramatizing the desire for endless profit through endless domination.
12: Why is it a leap of uh, belief or a conspiracy theory to think that the very entities and corporate lawyers that have consolidated hundreds of movie companies and distributors down into six entities are not the same mentality that wants to push a globalist agenda? an agenda to consolidate the 160 or 80 nation states down to one huge nation. It's all consolidation, it's all collectivism, or as C. Wright Mills put it, the power elite, the control group of the planet Earth, if you will.
1: As related by media expert Ben Bagdakian, we've seen how hundreds of media companies were consolidated down to just 50. And then, by 2004, those 50 were further consolidated to just five. Today, as we've previously seen, we stand at six.
11: If you go back about 100 years ago, the National Banking Association and others put out reports saying we need to buy up the media because it was diversified then, and it was anti-establishment, pro-Constitution on average, very populous though. They said, we're gonna buy this up and basically uh, get it to where there's no real investigative journalism going on. And where the establishment is given a free hand to do whatever they want, a get out of jail free card. And that's what the dinosaur media is. That's my name for the mainstream media. They're a group that lies incessantly. They're a group that spins. They're a group that is uh, engaged in repeating the press releases that they're given by select corporations and government. They're basically the propaganda core Uh, for the globalist,
10: Mainstream media, CNN in particular, does not care about the public outside of their indoctrination mission to eliminate borders and basically destroy the nuclear family.
5: You have six major media corporations or conglomerates in this country today. Too much consolidation results in stealthification. And then the stealthification actually feeds back and allows for greater consolidation.
10: Additionally, those of us that are privy to CNN's bullshit don't watch it anyway.
5: And their product tends to be more or less uniform. Are political ideas uniform? No. Economic ideas, no. Social ideas, no. Where is the competition? If you don't have competition in the system, then by hypothesis you have monopolistic or oligopolistic situation.
10: The mainstream media, if not actively imploding, is at a very minimum really worried, and they see the writing on the wall.
1: Given the pathological obsession the collectivist has for consolidation, why would word processor-crazy corporate attorneys not apply the same mentality to the consolidation of governments, even governments across
11: the world? They seek to create uh, a stagnant system where no one can threaten their monopoly. Uh, The mainstream media is the... Uh, deceptive uh, propaganda arm of the megacorporations and governments that are monopoly men,
7: that are social
11: engineers seeking for a managed, controlled economy where uh, risk is made public. We have to pay for it, but profits are private to them.
1: World government, the ultimate merger, is the epitome of the globalist agenda and the success of such an agenda depends on the cooperation of world populations in something called free trade. Thus America and every nation's population must be indoctrinated by the mainstream media into accepting so-called free trade, what Pat Buchanan calls the Trojan horse to world government. But as we've all seen, the so-called free trade foisted upon us by globalist bodies is really managed trade. And this managed trade has been endlessly promoted by the New York media to the point whereby it has now destroyed not only the U.S. manufacturing base, but much of the American middle class.
9: We find that in the motion picture industry today, all of the subtle little signals and the messages that are built into the storylines supports the concept that collectivism is a good thing. And it's a very subtle thing, and I'm sure you know, many people don't get these little messages and, and signals because they're not familiar with the concepts we're talking about. And so indirectly, their attitudes about their political uh, place in the world, whether collectivism is good or individualism is better, you know, what kind of a system do we really want to live under, there's, these concepts are, are being eroded or actually being uh, poisoned by the subtle messages.
1: That come out of Hollywood. Karl Marx would be proud. Earlier we covered cultural Marxism, the Frankfurt School's gift to Hollywood's executives and America's youth. Now let's take a look at corporate fascism and see how both of these brainwashing technologies are ultimately totalitarian, and ultimately leading young and old down the road to serfdom.
11: Um. An email address. I'm getting a call on the other line. Can you hold for one second? Sure.
1: The term corporate fascism means the merging of corporate and state power, such that corporate power prevails.
12: We saw fascism in Second World War when the state and the corporates merged. However, the state basically was the supreme power. Today's new corporate fascism, we could say, the corporations basically dominate the state. And the way they do that is by literally purchasing the state. They buy up all the media and the advertising so that they can get their political representatives into power. They fund the campaigns of congressmen and they basically filter these people into the Congress to pass laws that are favorable to the corporations. So today, we have a unique form of fascism known as corporate fascism.
1: Recall that cultural Marxism means economic, political Marxism translated into cultural terms. Again, both corporate fascism and cultural Marxism are totalitarian in nature and thus require big, if not unlimited, government. Whereas the U.S. Constitution calls for limited government.
6: Both cultural Marxism and and corporate fascism are totalitarian in nature because both worship the power of the state. Either the power of the state to force you to be a certain way, that's the cultural Marxist viewpoint. And the corporate fascist way is, well, to control your your economic livelihood, they control what you can and can't do for for a living, they want to control your, your choices. So both of them believe in big government, believe in transnational corporations. Uh, believe in the economic power being taken out of the hands of the people, believe in the unrestrained government for their own particular uses.
1: Given this, corporate fascism requires the media conglomerates to be overly cooperative with the state, which always wants to expand. Yes, the globalists are hell-bent on using the mainstream media and its two ugly wings, the cultural Marxist-infested Hollywood studios and the corporate fascist-infested New York networks to reduce the United States to but a province in their one world government.
4: The largest, of course, would be the United Nations. And a lot of other globalist organizations that we know of that exist, the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank and all these, they're all subsidiaries of the United Nations. Uh, What is their purpose? Their purpose is to take control of the planet. I lament the fact that many people in our country had not ever read the Constitution of the United States but far fewer people have ever read the Charter of the United Nations. Article 25 of the Charter of the United Nations, very small, one sentence. It says, all members of the United Nations agree to accept and carry out the decisions of the Security Council. As a member of the United Nations, therefore, the United States has agreed that we will accept the decisions of the Security Council of the United Nations. Forget the Constitution. There's a subsidiary of the United Nations called NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. How did we get into Iraq? Well, we got into Iraq because of a United Nations resolution. So globalism, no thank you. Uh, independence, yes. Recall,
1: the Supreme Court found in the case of Burston versus Wilson that motion pictures are a significant medium for the communication of ideas, and these ideas can affect attitudes and behavior in a variety of ways. By this, the court implied that motion pictures are so powerful, they don't just influence individual behavior, they can influence all of society's behavior.
11: The mainstream media facilitates the globalist program of disarming the people. Uh, by demonizing gun owners, by implying we're terrorists, by implying we're guilty for what bad people do with guns. Uh, And they basically push this unified front that you're bad because you believe in the Second Amendment that this country was founded on. 1776 happened because the Redcoats came for the ball and powder, they came for the guns. So the truth is the people demonizing the Second Amendment are the real enemies of the Republic. If this
1: is true, that our behavior can be shaped by movies that are mere entertainment, shouldn't we be concerned about what the control group at conglomerate headquarters has planned for our news and entertainment?
2: Uh, There are a lot of people over the years in in Hollywood uh, who in response to criticism from various interest groups, uh, when they complain, Hollywood will step up and say somebody there, including Jack Valenti and other MPA executives and other studio executives will say, oh, well, movies are just entertainment. You know, don't take it too seriously. Uh, That is one of Hollywood's big lies. The prudent citizen would say, we the
1: people need to start getting concerned about what ideas we let some control group in Hollywood and New York put into our minds. And if movies and media really do reflect the interests, values, cultural perspectives, and prejudices of their makers, do we the people agree with the maker's vision of a global government? A one world state where America is gone where everyone is disarmed, where we watch endless TV commercials about the merits of debt, government insurance, and fossil fuel-burning cars as we kill our pain with Big Pharma's pills.
0: They show uh, drug commercials of a happy family, and they depict what your world at home looks like. It complements what I'm already doing. In order to convince you to buy their product, so they are trying to change your behavior. They're trying to take something that is not in your daily life and sell you what they want to be in your daily life. Ask your doctor about Prestique.
1: Is this the world we want? The plan being promoted by the mainstream media and its globalist agenda?
0: that's exactly why I'm asking you to give me your phone number and then I will pass this message along to his
1: assistant. Nowhere does the control group in the New York media shine brighter than in their reality show known as the War on Terror. The War on Terror, more accurately known as the War of Terror, has been running on network TV since 2001 basically a massive co-production between the mainstream media, the military-industrial complex, and the Federal Reserve Bank. The show co-stars not only members of the control group, but neocons, war hawks, the CFR, Zionists, and big oil execs.
6: Well, the whole war on terror, the the drumbeat of of fear since 9-11, 16 years of warfare, has definitely made money for the major defense contractors, for Halliburton, for the people that build out all the body scanners, for all the surveillance equipment that the NSA uses on all of us. This is talking billions of dollars, big, massive corporations making a lot of money on that fear, on the, on the fear point of the war on terror. One of the longest running shows ever, the war
1: on terror has made the Washington establishment, New York media, and the global power elite trillions of dollars banks that finance wars, military contract companies that build the weapons even ISIS uses, oil companies that fuel the whole machine, all advertise on network TV.
10: We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military industrial complex.
13: Historically, we see that crises are used all too often to justify an expansion of power. And that's something that right after, say, 9-11 had occurred and the Patriot Act was put forth, it's understandable that people are going to be more willing to give up some of their freedom and their ability to control what the government does because there's the horror of that moment, uh, the the sight of watching buildings collapsing uh, on 9-11 that uh, made uh, many Americans much more susceptible to the argument that we need to be stronger and the revenues are hundreds of billions of dollars as well
1: as hundreds of billions more to big pharma after all the war on terror hurts a lot of people and these folks then need big pharma's product to heal a lot of people also wars always divide and stir up voters And there is nothing the mainstream media likes more than millions of angry, hostile voters, For angry, hostile voters demand angry, hostile presidential candidates, and angry, hostile candidates tend to buy more angry, hostile TV commercials.
14: Wake the up! I'm Jeff Wagner. I approve this message.
8: For a free society to succeed under the conditions we have today, in spite of all the bad moves, if you have freedom of choice, as an option will be okay like a freedom of choice in medical care and this is why obamacare was such a threat because they were trying to get rid of all choices and you have to have a choice to get out
2: you have ignored us i have called your office incessantly and i get people who don't know what's going on i don't get any return phone calls if i ever fax or email i get a form letter
8: education uh, you should have this too Homeschooling and private schooling represents this option to get out because they do quite well and uh, the, the state-run schools are very embarrassed and they hate them because, uh, you know, it embarrasses uh, their system because they don't do so well and they're handicapped by uh, the political correctness in the courts and the federal regulations. So The atmosphere is just horrible for a learning experience.
1: So churning up domestic and world events and promoting the wars and terrorists that result from such chaos are quite profitable for the control group that dominates the mainstream media. Uh,
0: I can have passed the his but I cannot guarantee you anything.
1: No discussion of the mainstream media would be complete if its relationship with Israel were ignored. This subject is known as the third rail of politics. Because no one wants to touch it.
15: The third rail of politics. Well, there's probably more than one, but the biggest one is probably the Israel issue. Now, you cannot touch Israel without dying professionally, politically, etc. That would be the third rail that. Anyone in the entertainment business, anyone in the news business, the media, anyone in, in politics. The Israel issue would have to be the granddaddy of the third rail issues.
8: I mean, we had a couple of knockdown,
1: drag-out fights, you might recall, uh, talking about the, those in, in
8: Congress that support Israel. I, was, I didn't like that comment, but we had a debate about it. There are elements in our society, and they're predominantly on the hard left, that say it's no longer enough to challenge and contradict and defeat or fight these fellas in arguments. we got to smear them, stigmatize them as racists or homophobic, and then we got to silence and censor them. And the way we do it is go after the media outlets that put them on the air or get him off your network. Otherwise, we're going to go after the advertisers. I think they're engaged in a blacklist, Sean, a blacklist of conservative and traditionalist thought.
1: We can discuss it here because this documentary is probably not coming to any movie theaters near you. Even still, this documentary does not profess to be a treatise on Israel or to take any sides. All we want to do is make the point that almost every anchor, pundit, politician, and celebrity that appears in the mainstream media totally and uncritically supports Israel.
10: Anybody that watches this show knows that if I want a key to the city of Tel Aviv, I can
1: get it. I'm about as pro-Israel as as, as can be. This is amazing, for there does not seem to be this degree of agreement in almost any other human endeavor.
5: No, I
9: don't know, but I do know who's responsible for it, uh, and that's Hamas. If there's an event, for example, um, uh, a terrible tragedy between israel and the gaza strip palestinians there and and people are killed on both sides if that's presented in a certain way your sympathy as a viewer on this side of the television screen your sympathy can be thrown toward israel or toward the palestinians depending on how it's presented and um, it's hard to to be objective in a situation like that and present some cases where it looks like this time around this side was the aggressor, but the next time, it looks like that side was the aggressor. And when we do that, uh, we always get mail from people who are committed to one side or the other. They're not
1: interested in facts. All they're interested in is, which side are you on? Other media outlets like the BBC in Britain, RT in Russia, the NHK in Japan, and Al Jazeera in Qatar have a much broader spectrum of news and opinions about Israel.
0: Israel vows to shut down Al Jazeera, accusing the network of incitement in its coverage of the recent protests.
1: Why is this? Why does the control group of the New York media and the Hollywood-based movie studios only permit a politically correct discourse with regards to Israel?
4: Hollywood is run by Jews. It's owned by Jews. And um, uh, they should have a, a, a greater sensitivity about the issue of of people who are suffering.
1: Is Brando right? We know that the original movie moguls were mostly Jewish, but since the conglomerates now own the studios, is Hollywood still run by Jews? Abraham Foxman, former national director of the Anti-Defamation League, addressed this question vis-a-vis Mr. Brando's comments.
15: It was shocking to hear Marlon Brando, an acclaimed actor and champion of civil rights, invoke an anti-Semitic canard that Hollywood is run by Jews, Mr. Brando should know that what he said is utterly false. Hollywood studios are owned and movies are made by men and women, some of whom are Jewish, many of whom are not. Those Jews who entered the movie industry have done so as individuals, not as representatives of their religious group or with an aim to act in some coordinated conspiratorial
16: manner
1: we agree with Abe Foxman Jews in general do not run Hollywood thus Jews in general should not be blamed for any sort of coordinated activities or conspiracies that the mainstream media may or may not be involved with
12: oh, I just wish my Jewish uh, associates in the movie industry would uh, you know they come up to me all the time they say, hey James I'm Jewish how come I don't get a job running the studios I'm you know I, I put in my resume and they won't let me or Marvin Davis run anything in Hollywood and you remember Mar- Marvin Davis was not only Jewish he was a multi-billionaire
1: recall when insider Alan Ladd led the mass exodus from 20th Century Fox after Marvin Davis had acquired the studio yet even he a multi-billionaire could not get in to run Hollywood any more than any other outsider whether Jewish or Gentile
12: so Uh, Abe is right, Jews in general do not run Hollywood.
1: These things acknowledged, along comes Ben Stein and E! Online magazine. First,
3: it is extremely clear to anyone in Hollywood that Jews are, so to speak, in charge in Hollywood in a way that is not duplicated in any other large business.
2: It's not fair to say that Hollywood is run by Jews uh, Jews in general, that's not a fair statement and, and I think my studies show that uh, and that's misleading and so uh, there, you know, people who talk about conspiracies or suggest that all Jews are somehow involved in, in the film industry is not true. There's a lot of Jews all over the world that have no interest whatsoever in what goes on in Hollywood.
1: So what's the reality? ever since Neil Gabler, who happens to be Jewish, wrote a book entitled An Empire of Their Own, How the Jews Invented Hollywood, it's been common knowledge that Hollywood was established and run by Jewish movie moguls.
15: When you look at the leadership of Hollywood, uh, the management, uh, the top level executives, we we recognize that the Jewish elite no more represent the rank and file Jewish people than the political elite uh, represent the ranking file American voting public.
1: But some will ask, given Hollywood was established over 100 years ago, how could it still be run by Jews? You
4: still don't get it, do you boys? There ain't no countries anymore, no more good guys. They're running the whole show. They own everything, the whole goddamn planet. They can do whatever
5: they want
2: most of the Hollywood moguls, original Hollywood moguls, were uh, of Jewish heritage, were were Jews. And uh, today, about 70% of the control positions, of the power positions in Hollywood, are still maintained by uh, these politically liberal, not very religious, Jewish, male, European heritage. So that's over 115 years or so uh, of of continuous and constant uh, control of a very important communications medium Uh, by a very narrowly defined group. And my contention is that that's impossible without massive discrimination. Of the total U.S. population of about 230
1: million, only about 6,800,000 are Jewish Americans. Thus, Jews represent about 2% of the population. One would therefore expect that only about 2% of the positions in top management of the studios, networks, and conglomerates would thus be held by men and women, some of whom are Jewish, as Abe Foxman put it. Nevertheless, this does not seem to be the case, according to Michael Medved, who observed in the 1996 August edition of Moment Magazine the
14: following. It makes no sense at all to try to deny the reality of Jewish power and prominence in popular culture. Any list of the most influential production executives at each of the major movie studios will produce a heavy majority of recognizably Jewish names. Hollywood
10: is predominantly run by the Jewish community, and they they are the lords of Hollywood for the most part, and they yield a lot of power, and God forbid you should buck that power or in any way say anything uh, from the other, other point of view, you will immediately be labeled as being anti-Semitic and not of the crowd, the
1: in-crowd. And that's just the way it is. And then Joel Stein, writing in a December 2008 issue of LA Times, elaborates. Joel Stein,
15: as a proud Jew, I want America to know that uh, of our accomplishment. Yes, we control Hollywood. Without us, you'd be flipping between the 700 Club and Davy and Goliath on TV all day.
1: So Neil Gabler says Jews invented Hollywood. Michael Medved says they are a heavy majority, Ben Stein says Jews are in charge, and Joel Stein says they control Hollywood. At least four prominent individuals from the Jewish community say, in essence, that Hollywood is run by Jews, just as Marlon Brando stated in 1996.
4: Hollywood is run by Jews, it's owned by Jews. If it's true, it would mean
9: that those Jews run Hollywood. It doesn't mean that all Jews run Hollywood. And it doesn't mean that the ones who do run Hollywood are doing
12: so as Jews. So Jews in general do not run Hollywood. However, about 70, 60 to 70, 80% of the top executive positions in the studios are dominated by Jewish males.
1: Then along comes Seth MacFarlane, hosting the 2013 Oscars, and Gary Oldman in a 2014 magazine interview. Both Gentiles. Mel Gibson is in a town that's run by Jews, and he said the wrong thing.
14: You guys have made some beautiful, some inspiring movies. I made Ted.
6: <laughs> what about you? You got a you got a Berg on the end of your name? Are, are you are you Jewish? Am I
5: Jewish? No, actually, I'm Catholic. Ah,
13: wrong answer. Try again. What? Look, you want to work in this
1: town, or don't you? After hearing these comments from McFarlane and Oldman. Abe Foxman and Rabbi Marvin Heyer of the Simon Wiesenthal Center took immediate action.
2: Every comedian is entitled to wide latitude,
14: but no one should get a free pass for helping to promote anti-Semitism.
15: What he did at the Oscars was offensive and not remotely funny. It only reinforces stereotypes which legitimize anti-Semitism.
2: I do not think it is anti-Semitic to simply observe the facts as they exist in reality and, and report them accurately. Uh, most people seem to be afraid to state the truth and sort of dance around and do the PC thing or whatever. And so I'm simply trying to state the truth, and, and, uh, which are supported by the facts.
12: Anytime one wants to thwart investigation into some area, the race card is brought out and the apologists of Hollywood use the cry of anti-Semitism anytime someone wants to reform Hollywood or investigate its business practices. Is this really acceptable in a democratic society where the free flow of information is vital?
1: When Neil Gabler, Ben Stein, Michael Medved, and Joel Stein, all Jewish, say Hollywood is run by Jews, they get a pass from organizations ostensibly representing the Jewish community. Yet when major stars like Marlon Brando, Mel Gibson, Gary Oldman, and Seth MacFarlane All non-Jews even joke that Hollywood is run by Jews. They're reprimanded. Is this fair? But again, that's all that we can do. The person
0: who takes this request is not here.
1: It seems that Neil Gabler, Michael Medved, Ben Stein, Joel Stein, and Marlon Brando are right. But if Jews enter the movie industry only as individuals, not as representatives of the religion or of the Jewish community, as Abe Foxman says, why do organizations that seem to represent the Jewish community, such as the ADL and Simon Wiesenthal, attack individuals who are simply expressing their opinion about who runs Hollywood?
15: Yeah, the ADL and and similar organizations who seem to take it upon themselves to demonize, vilify, and even destroy anyone who dares to make an objective, much less critical analysis of anything Jewish, I think demonstrates a tremendous bigotry and bias. I mean this is supposed to be a country in which free speech is not only tolerated, but encouraged. The idea that we all must think the same thing and we all must say the same thing is not consistent with American history and American liberty. Our country was founded and framed on the idea of contrary thought and public debate, uh, taking uh, ideas into the marketplace. That's been the American tradition. And so now, over the last few decades, all of that is out the window. If you say anything contrary to whatever the accepted um, uh, philosophy is at the moment, then you are worthy of disgrace.
1: In a democratic society where freedom of speech is guaranteed by the First Amendment, should acclaimed actors or anyone have to cry and weep before the Hollywood control group and its magistrates for stating what anyone can observe or confirm
13: on the internet. A couple of years ago I released the film The Passion. Now um, even before anyone saw a frame of film for an entire year I was subjected to a pretty brutal sort of public beating and uh, uh, during the course of that I think I probably had my rights violated in many different ways as an American, you know, as an artist, as a Christian, as just as a human being.
1: Four out of six CEOs at the major studios, five out of six CEOs at the networks, and four out of six CEOs at the conglomerates are Jewish. Simple math tells us that if 60% of the 54 CEOs in the control group are individuals who happen to be Jewish, a small group of Jewish males not only runs Hollywood, they run the New York networks and the conglomerates. They, in essence, run the entire mainstream media.
12: When Abe Foxman said that Hollywood is represented many of them Jewish he wasn't exactly being truthful. So really um, he's putting the Jewish community at risk when he falsifies the number of Jewish uh, studio executives that actually are influencing the uh, selection of motion pictures in the movie industry. Not
1: only that, a small group of politically liberal, not very religious Jewish males of European heritage has run the Hollywood studios for over 100 years.
2: My argument is it is not appropriate for any narrowly defined group, don't care who it is, to control an important communications medium like the motion picture. If you had a group of Southern Baptists running Hollywood, a group of African Americans, a group of Native Americans, we'd be seeing different kinds of films. There's no question about that, because again, movies tend to mirror the values, interests, cultural perspectives, and prejudices of their makers. So that really then tends to be sort of private propaganda, private censorship being employed. Even though these are the facts, it is important
1: to remember the distinction articulated by Abe Foxman that Jews enter the movie industry only as individuals, not as representatives of their religion or the Jewish community.
12: But the minute you have someone like Abe Foxman saying that Jews don't operate in any kind of concerted manner, yet you have an organization that represents Jews in general, such as the ADL, chastising somebody like Marlon Brando, you, in essence, do have Jews in general influencing at least the knowledge and perception of Hollywood. So you're invoking the Jewish community anytime you represent the Jewish community in something like the ADL or the Simon Wiesenthal Center, you're basically making Jews in general look like apologists for the Hollywood movie industry. And if the Hollywood movie industry is using predatory practices or discrimination to stay in power, a lot of people are going to blame the Jewish community for this. Those Jews who entered the movie industry have done so as individuals.
1: But even as individuals, there are implications. For if movies mirror their makers, as we previously covered, the implications are well stated by Michael Medved.
15: The combined weight of so many Jews in one of America's most lucrative and important industries gives the Jews of Hollywood a great deal of political power. They are a major source of money for Democratic candidates.
1: Is this not almost exactly what Ben Bagdikian, the Supreme Court, and John Combs are saying? Media power is political power, and movies are an important communications channel that mirrors the interests, values, cultural perspectives, and prejudices
5: of their makers. I think it's self-evidently true, as John Combs said, that the makers of movies are going to reflect their own interest values, prejudices, and uh, convictions, if you will. It's obvious that's the way most people operate in general. You're certainly not going to produce a movie that reflects someone else's values that are antagonistic to yours. So the mainstream media promotes the globalist agenda, number one, because they believe in the globalist agenda, the control group. But I think number two, indirectly, to the extent that they uh, promote ideas that are subversive of uh, popular power, popular sovereignty, local control, the consequence of that is to aid globalist machinations. Pennsylvania goes to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is the president of the United States.
0: Everybody is crying.
1: And since most Jews are Democrats and most Democrats are liberal, would this not explain why we have a liberal media?
8: You're awake, by the way. How do we explain
1: how this is possible? This was a white lash.
2: The only checks and balances we have are us, the View.
1: And some media that calls for such things as the endless infringement of the Second Amendment with all manner of regulations.
0: Do you think it's time to take a look at assault weapons and discuss possibilities of changing laws pertaining to them?
1: So, given these things, we come back to the question of Israel. How many of the top executives in the networks and studios are prejudiced in favor of Israel? in short how many executives in the mainstream media control group are zionists
12: there is another reason the media is liberal movies are creations of art and when you're making a fantasy or a creation of art you're always trying to push the limits okay so by the very nature of art by the very nature of movies they're going to be liberal they're going to be progressive you're gonna progress into new areas. You're gonna explore the fringes and the the, outer extremities of existence.
1: If 60% of the network studio and conglomerate CEOs are Jewish Zionists, this may be why anchors, pundits, politicians, and celebrities all tread carefully around the third rail of politics, Israel, the Jewish state.
15: The Jewish leadership in New York City media and in Hollywood is extensive as we've already discussed, and would that be the reason why uh, free thought is not allowed on the subject of Israel, whether it be on the talk shows, the newscasts, Hollywood itself? Yes, I think the answer is an, an emphatic and obvious yes, that's the reason.
1: The issue is whether we the people should be concerned when none of our political candidates can get coverage from the mainstream media unless they are uncritically pro-Israel. Many American voters and taxpayers do not feel the U.S. should be involved in Middle Eastern affairs as much as we are. Look at what our involvement has already done, caused wars, 3,500 American lives, 4,500 civilian lives from drone attacks.
15: And when you have a group of people, I don't care who it is, that refuse to allow another group of people the opportunity to even express themselves without the fear of the destruction of their way of life and their livelihood, you know, is totally, totally foreign to anything this country was built
1: upon. $5 trillion in debt and taxes, the deaths of millions of indigenous people around the Middle East, the rise of ISIS, and worldwide threats of terror,
5: now even terrorist attacks on American soil. I don't think every political candidate, most political candidates take a pro-Israel position or at least say that they're pro-Israel, they're gonna defend Israel, Israel is our greatest ally in the Middle East or whatever. I don't think they all say that because there's Jewish influence on them. They say it because that's what those people in their constituencies believe. Of course, the media people, they're hired and they don't have much of a chance because there's employment discrimination, in a sense, there, right? They're gonna be hired by control group people who are favor- favorable to Israel and therefore, they need to be favorable to Israel and they'll never get the job. If the
1: control group were comprised of fewer Zionists and more Arabs or Muslims, would coverage of Israel be more balanced? Would the U.S. military be stationed all over the Middle <laughs> East?
15: Unfortunately, because of the strangle over the entertainment industry, over the news industry, the New York media, and the Hollywood industry itself. It's almost impossible for people who have differing opinion to be freely able to express it. That is the problem. That's one of the major problems in the mainstream media today.
1: If a candidate is vilified by the mainstream media for taking a stand that is not politically correct, is it okay that the candidate will probably be ostracized, hence never get elected,
5: Congressman Ron Paul is with us tonight. It's an honor to have you, sir. You're a leader of a movement. Sometimes you remind me of my hero growing up, who was, in fact, Barry Goldwater,
2: and and then I grew up.
12: The problem is the lack of diversity, not the fact that they're Jewish or the fact that they're liberal or the fact that they're males. None of the factors in the demographic are the problem. It's the problem of all the factors aligning in a combination that locks the control group into a certain pattern of thought a certain pattern of interests, cultural values, beliefs, and prejudices.
8: This idea that government will take care of me, no, but that means make that somebody have will. have
2: to take responsibility and buy health insurance?
8: Uh, what would be the reaction of many
15: people in Hollywood today if all of a sudden we said, you know, 60% of the upper management in Hollywood and the top-level executives were, let's say, Muslims? What would be the reaction to that? There's a revolution going on, Chris. Until we allow people to be free to be able to express themselves, their talents, their abilities, their thought, their their philosophies in a a free and open debate, uh, until we have that, let's face it, we're in an oppressed society.
0: So you're with Matrix Productions, correct? And you're doing an interview on
1: Hollywood. Again, as Ben Bagdikian says, media power is political power. Thus the mainstream media is, to a greater or lesser degree, dictating the politics of the nation. The Second Amendment and Israel being two major examples. The mainstream media
6: does dictate the politics of the nation by giving the American people a false choice you must support only the Republican candidate, the anointed candidate, or the Democratic candidate. And very often, they're much the same. So for example, they'll shut out someone like Ron Paul, who wanted to go back to you know, free market economics, limited government, states' rights, a limited false choice. You're not given the, the uh, libertarian or the more constitutionally-based alternative. The difference between um, Barack Obama and George Bush when it comes to the destruction of the Bill of Rights is, is, is almost indistinguishable. There's a certain amount of friction between the two,
5: but in the basic, structure of, the basic question of how the political structure in this country is supposed to run, and who's supposed to control it, and what is considered to be within bounds and out bounds, they agree essentially 100%. Because they're all essentially in it together. Big finance, big media, big politics. They're all part of the same operation.
1: If this is true, the question arises. In a democratic nation, is it acceptable that a small group of executives, any group of executives, not just liberal executives, secular executives, Jewish, Christian, or Muslim executives, are able to dictate who we the people vote for? If the answer is no, then these things should happen. One. The conglomerates that own, influence, or dominate hundreds of alter-ego media companies across America should be broken up through Sherman antitrust laws already on the books. Two, the narrowly defined group of executives that comprises the control group of the conglomerates, networks, and studios should be encouraged to diversify. Three, the Internet must be kept free, open, and universal, and no control group, no matter what demographic, must ever be able to influence or dominate it.
9: The Internet is our really our last uh, best hope for free exchange of uncensored information. And if it's to remain that way, it will become the primary weapon to break the grip of the collectivist New World Order. Uh, the one thing that these people Uh, fear the most, or maybe fear at all, is the continuing expansion of the flow of information and the ability for the average person to break away from mainstream media and dig out information on their own. I think that is the thing that they must guard against at all costs, and we see a lot of maneuvering going on right now so that the powers that be can control the internet in the name of course of fighting terrorism and fighting crime and child pornography and all these other things that are offered to get us focused on the concept that yeah it's a good thing to have control over the internet not realizing that the real goal is to censor political and social information and economic information the internet is already in the hands of political Uh, national and international political forces, and there's a struggle now between uh, American control versus United Nations control over the internet. Uh, It seems to be that nobody's really arguing that no one control the internet. They're now just trying to see which political body is going to wind up with the control, and that is not a very healthy sign. We have to be aware that no one must control content, at least, at least not content and at least not who participates in the internet. That's our only salvation for a future of freedom.
1: Again, emphasizing what the Supreme Court said in Burston, motion pictures, and this includes the mainstream media, are a significant medium for the communication of ideas, and these ideas can affect public attitudes about politics.
12: These anchors and various other mainstream media uh, people are antagonistic to the internet, because the internet has taken away their authority and their market share. And so, it's only natural that the mainstream media would try to dominate the internet.
14: And do that regularly now. Also, as part of this equation is the fact that by limiting the amount of ideas that are exhibited, they can limit the knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the viewership
1: So if you're running for political office and you do not feel it's in the best interest of Americans to send billions of dollars to Israel every year, weapons to Saudi Arabia, make war in Iraq, or let radical Muslims into the United States, is it okay if the mainstream media destroys your career by labeling you a racist, bigot, anti-Semite, or isolationist?
15: As someone who ran for president of the United States in 2008 as a third party candidate, we are not given a fair and free hearing. The American people are not even allowed to hear our ideas. We're not allowed on the, on the talk shows. I don't care whether it's Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. We're not allowed on. They, they didn't let Cynthia McKinney on. Uh, she, she represented the, the Green Party. Uh, Bob Barr was the nominee for the Libertarian Party. Obviously, there a lot of Libertarians. You have a mainstream elite that are purposely, deliberately suppressing free thought, free ideas, free and open debate. And they are creating a monopoly, a monopoly of ideology, a a monopoly of expression, a monopoly of speech, a monopoly of thought.
1: America went into war in Iraq largely because the mainstream media promoted that war. Did the mainstream media promote the war because members of the control group wanted the U.S. military stationed around the Middle East so it can protect Israel in the name of protecting oil fields?
6: Well, the mainstream media can impact our viewpoints because we're being bombarded 24-7 with radio and television and cable networks, 24-7 news. And people tend to put this on in the background, or it's playing when you're going through an airport terminal, it's playing on the screen. You're constantly being bombarded whether you want it or not. So you're being hit with a drumbeat of, well, here's the accepted opinion, and you're not being shown alternatives. alternative. So it's always you're being hit with, here's how you should see the world, here are the solutions you're limited to, you know, here's the right way to think.
1: If one reviews a cross-section of studio movies, They can easily observe that Hollywood has a very cozy relationship with the U.S. military. The military, in fact, pretty much allows the studios carte blanche with its equipment and logos, tanks, fighter jets, submarines, FBI, Signia, all over the actors' blazers. Given these subtle quid pro quos, Hollywood and the New York networks could very well be influencing the U.S. government in ways voters may not approve or in ways that benefit globalist interests over American interests.
12: The internet is basically the absolute free flow of all points of view in the civilization. Anyone and everyone can represent their viewpoints, opinions, values, cultural perspectives, and prejudices over the internet.
1: How often is some pundit or anchor up there blindly praising Israel? How often do you see fossil fuel burning cars advertised? If the car companies and the oil companies did not dominate the advertising revenues of the mainstream media, maybe we would have seen the development of electric cars like the Tesla, EV1 and Volt much sooner. Also, if the fossil fuel industry didn't dominate the mainstream media, maybe we would have much more enthusiasm and information in the public domain about alternative energy sources like solar and fusion.
12: We have the sum collective of human knowledge on the internet. And so the mainstream media is either going to become more like the internet or the internet is going to become more like the mainstream media. If the internet becomes more like the mainstream media, it will start to limit the information and discourse that can be on the internet
1: many people do not understand that if solar and fusion technologies were perfected, we would solve Earth's energy problem. One gallon of water, when fused, is the equivalent of 350 gallons of gasoline. We thus have enough water on the planet to provide for humanity's energy needs for over a
7: billion years. And solar is just as potent. I'm not a globalist, definitely, but uh, I think there is something that must be done in that direction where we can share this energy, what God gives to us. And energy is God's gift and nobody have no right to sell it.
1: Of course, the mainstream media tap dances all around these issues while we spend $560 billion a year on war-related defense and interventionist foreign policies.
8: 8,000 Americans total, you know, all together with these wars, spent $4 trillion, increased the national debt, 40,000 people injured, hundreds of thousands needing medical care. Before 9 11, we were spending $40 billion on, on uh, security. And now it's over $80 billion they spend on it, and the Department of Homeland Security is expanding, and TSA is expanding. Uh, so they've done everything completely wrong. It's so
1: bad the U.S. empire now has 900 military bases in 140 countries. This includes battleships and tanks peppered around Arab holy lands ostensibly to protect Saudi oil, the very oil that makes their occupation of the Middle East possible. And Saudi Arabia, who gets much of this protection for free, is supposed to be our friend, at least according to the mainstream media's oil and car advertising clients, Yet 15 of the 19 hijackers that ostensibly flew jets into New York buildings and the Pentagon were Saudis. Yes, the mainstream media gets billions in ad revenues from big oil and oil-burning car companies, so there is no way it can truthfully report on the relationship between the king of Saudi Arabia, the people of Saudi Arabia, and
4: we the people of the United States. So why do we have endless wars? We went into Desert Storm in in Iraq under a United Nations resolution. We went into Iraq again the second time under United Nations resolution. We're in Afghanistan today under NATO, another subsidiary of the United Nations. So why do we have endless wars? I've just explained to you. What's the answer to it? Get out of the United Nations and never go to war except with a declaration of Congress. And a congressman from Texas stood up and he said, Mr. Chairman, I have a motion. It was Ron Paul of Texas. He said, my motion is that we declare war on Iraq and I intend to vote against my own motion because I don't think we should go to war against Iraq, but we should not ignore the constitution that says, no war unless there's a declaration of war. And the International Relations Committee voted 45 to zero against Ron Paul's notion. So is our foreign policy all upside down? Yes. What should the foreign policy of the United States be? George Washington said, commerce with all, entangling alliances with none.
1: Again, the war on terror has not only cost the American taxpayer $5 trillion and the deaths of 3,500 Americans, it's destroyed the lives of millions of innocent Arabs, Muslims, Afghanis, and Iraqi people. To this, fans of Hollywood movies and the New York media's hit TV show, The War on Terror, simply slouch back in their couches and think, So what? Arabs, Muslims, Afghanis, and Iraqis are the bad guys. You're
0: doing an interview on Hollywood, and you want to see if he'll shoot a one-hour segment.
1: So the hit TV show, The War on Terror, keeps the oil and Israel lobbies protected, the military-industrial complex fat with contracts, the drug companies spending on TV spots, and the control group execs, rich with some of the biggest paychecks in the world. But who is the executive producer of the show? Easy, it's the Federal Reserve System. The guys that print up the Federal Reserve notes to pay for the guns, bullets, tanks, drones, executive salaries, TV ads, and oil
9: would be impossible to go to the taxpayers of any nation and say, well, we're gonna have a war now, a war on terrorism or a war against another country or any kind of a war. So starting uh, next month, everybody has to kick in another um, 8% of their income. Thank you. Well, there'd be a tax revolt overnight. The only way these wars and these great expenditures and these bailouts and all this legalized plundering, the only way that can be done is if the money is created out of nothing, which means it's fiat money. Because without the Federal Reserve, without the ability to create money out of nothing, there would be no way for any of this to be financed.
1: Bear in mind, the Federal Reserve is little more than a cartel of elite bankers that are based in New York City, right down the street from conglomerate headquarters and the United Nations, global headquarters for the one world totalitarian government now under construction.
5: So it's very easy for that system To finance essentially any expenditure that the government wants to engage in. The other way to finance warfare is through borrowing. But as soon as the government comes into the market and starts borrowing, it drives up interest rates. The expression goes, it crowds out the ability of other people to borrow, and this has economic effects. What's the, the the percentage of the Pentagon budget, military budget in this country? It's about 50% or slightly more than the total budget of the country. Could that really be financed by taxation and borrowing in a free market system? Would the people be willing to pay the, those levels of taxes? And would the market be willing to accept those levels of interest rates? Doubtful.
1: Yes, the Federal Reserve System is using unconstitutional fiat currency to
8: fund the globalist agenda. It is, it is the fact that the Federal Reserve is the facilitator that you couldn't have big government. If everybody loves big government, love the Fed because they can finance the wars and all the welfare you want, but it doesn't work. It eventually ends up in a crisis.
1: That's right. The media control group ignores the Fed's violation of Article 1, Section 8 and 10 in order to facilitate infringement of the Second Amendment.
16: Well, you know, the Second Amendment says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed and a number of years ago I actually came up with a t-shirt that said what part of infringed don't you understand I was asking that to all the lawmakers in the country who passed gun control laws because it's not that hard of a word to get so I looked it up and the synonym that I really like the most with infringe is hinder you can't hinder my possession of firearms? Do background checks hinder my right to keep and bear arms? Do waiting periods hinder my right to keep and bear arms? Do all these other regulations about what kind of gun you can own, how much ammunition you can own, and and all these other 20,000 gun control laws in this country now Do they hinder the right of law-abiding citizens to keep and bear arms? Absolutely they do. They're all unconstitutional. They're all infringements. And let's be real clear here. We're talking about the supreme law of the land. The Bill of Rights is the supreme of the supreme laws of this country. Gun control in the United States of America is against the law
1: we covered how the Second Amendment guarantees a free state in a movie called Moulin l'Abbé. This movie was totally ignored by the mainstream media yet features Ron Paul and Pat Buchanan in it. Then in a movie called Midnight Ride, we covered how a police state could develop if the Second Amendment is infringed beyond a certain point. This movie was also ignored by the mainstream media even though it was based on the research of one of the foremost constitutional attorneys in the country. And early on, we made a movie called Fiat Empire. This documentary explains why money must be redeemable in gold or silver, and why the Federal Reserve System violates the US Constitution. Fiat Empire also was ignored by the mainstream media, even though it earned a Telly Award.
8: Well, the power of the purse and the power of the sword is important. The power of the sword, I would assume, that when you, you have a right to national defense, and the founders recognized that, that was one limited uh, authority that they did get. But the power of the purse is to restrain those people who abuse it. If the president does too much and, uh, and, and fights a war uh, that is undeclared, uh, the people through the Congress should restrict that by taking the money away from them. My question is, Mr. Chairman, Uh, Whose responsibility is it, under the Constitution, to manage monetary policy? uh, Which branch of government has the absolute authority to manage monetary policy? The Congress has the authority and it's delegated to the
13: Federal Reserve. That's a policy decision that you made.
8: Yeah, but they can't transfer authority. Uh, You can't amend the Constitution by just saying we're going to create some secret group of individuals and banks That's amending the Constitution. You can't do that. And all of a sudden allow this to exist in secrecy. So the founders made an attempt to keep the power with the people and the most uh, important body would be the Congress, especially the House of Representatives. They can stop all this. Only a house is supposed to legislate tax bills and spending bills, not uh, the president and, and not the Senate. So, this is, uh, this to me is a power that we've been neglecting, though, because the president does what he wants, and once he gets involved in a war that they shouldn't happen, I said, yeah, he shouldn't have done it. But we can't desert the troops. A patriotic person can't say, bring the troops home. So, they play on that, so they stir up the trouble, and uh, then they use those arguments to get the money that they need. But the power of the purse should be the ultimate weapon against, uh, you know, the, the, this government power.
1: So, here's the conclusion. If a documentary does not support the globalist agenda, if it is not partisan, if it does not fit neatly into the Demo-Publican football game, then it does not get funded or promoted by the mainstream media. Why isn't
16: the media addressing the findings of an international team of eight scientists led by Niels Herrett in Copenhagen, which finds throughout the World Trade Center dust what amounts to about ten tons of of material that shouldn't be there, red-gray chips, about a sixteenth of an inch long, the ingredients of thermite, set in an organic bed of oxygen silica carbon, which is designed to be the explosive or the force-inducing expansion of gases in products like TNT. This should not be found in the World Trade Center dust. This is made only in the most advanced defense contracting laboratories. Why isn't the media investigating those laboratories. This should tell us
1: something. The New York-based networks and the Hollywood-based studios, what we were referring to as the mainstream media, are not looking for truth, nor are they looking after the folks. They're looking to guard their clients' interests, usurp political power, and promote the globalist agenda. Every time there's another mass killing by some nut on Big Pharma's mainstream media promoted product, predictably the same pundits and same candidates with the same tired arguments come on screen and recite another litany of reasons why right to keep and bear must be further infringed.
0: The school shootings actually are the rise in the use of psychiatric drugs. Um, on young children developing minds. The marketing has skyrocketed. We now have television commercials and on the commercials they're advertising psychiatric drugs and therefore driving up the demand. And the school shooters, the, the common denominator is that they've all been on psychiatric drugs.
12: And I think that it's pretty obvious that without any sensitivity towards it, probably is on pharmaceutical drugs, if not psychiatric drugs. When one considers that the six major networks derive billions of dollars in advertising revenue from pharmaceutical companies, is it any wonder that every time after a mass killing, we never get to find out exactly what manufacture of the pharmaceutical drugs the killer was on? The mainstream media is not looking after the folks without informing the public exactly what drugs are being used when these killers go out there and do their deeds.
10: And gruesome Hollywood movies that dangerously desensitize those who struggle with mental health challenges. Entertainment moguls don't have an absolute right to glorify murder while spreading mayhem in young minds across America. And our Bill of Rights does not guarantee gun manufacturers the absolute right to sell military-styled, high-caliber, semi-automatic combat assault rifles with high-capacity magazines to whoever the hell
1: they want. So why is this? And why especially does one never hear the word militia on the mainstream media except in a pejorative manner?
6: Well, I think the federal government in in large part and along with the mainstream media, fear of people who are armed and independent and can provide for their own security and who might also be able to resist um, their oppression. If they want to make us like people are in other the third world countries where there's the ruling junta and the military beneath them and the police, and then there's all the peasants.
1: As we explained before, the control group is made up mostly of liberals who are of European heritage. Except for the banking capital of the world, Switzerland, Europeans do not have the right to keep and bear arms, thus the concept of a militia system is alien to them.
13: The power of the sword is the police power inherent in we the people. And we must regain that power by having militia laws in each state.
1: The second reason is that because the mainstream media promotes the globalist agenda, it does not want to give platform to the practicality of gun ownership or local protection through a well-regulated, well-trained state militia system.
5: If you're talking about local militia groups, Almost by hypothesis you're talking about separate nation states. And of course the global system wants to eliminate all national structures. Right? Not gonna be any borders anymore. going can be one great global government and then some, you know, local or regional sub-governments. But...
1: It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause.
5: And then number two as soon as people function in a militia structure, they realize they are the ultimate political power. They do not answer robotically to someone at some higher level in a removed capital someplace. Ergo, we can't allow the people to have those kinds of institutions. We have to remove those institutions.
4: They never show the crowd. They never show the crowd. Show the crowd. See, they, they don't want to turn around. Look at the cameras, they face straight.
5: So the mainstream media promotes the globalist agenda, number one, because they believe in the globalist agenda, the control group. But I think, number two, indirectly, to the extent that they uh, promote ideas that are subversive of uh, popular power, popular sovereignty, local control, the consequence of that is to aid globalist machinations. The control group at
1: conglomerate headquarters and the globalists at the United Nations all know that were the mainstream media to acknowledge that the highest law in the land stipulates the idea that state militia are necessary for a free state that would not fit in comfortably with the idea of a global government or a disarmed citizenry.
9: Increasingly the attitude of a citizenry toward what their government should and should not do is affected by the movies they see and the television programs they see. The messages are sometimes subtle in the story that this is how it should be, or how it must be. And increasingly, we see police acting in a very violent and uh, brutal fashion. And this is the storyline, because they're fighting against very bad people. So the concept is, well, as long as you're fighting against very bad people, then you can also be very bad. And in fact, you have to be if you want to defend the good people out there. This is kind of a subtle message that increasingly we see all the time in movies and television programs, that what we used to call police brutality is now just what police have to do because they're opposing very, very bad people. There's there's a... A serious question is to whether or not a free people can even know that they're losing their freedom if their concepts of what is the proper function of the state are constantly being affected by this kind of uh, treatment.
1: Of course, the control group will always remain armed. It's just the pesky citizens that need to be disarmed, just like they've been disarmed in most other countries in the old world order. Stalin's Russia Nazi Germany are prime examples.
11: They want civilians disarmed, that they believe in a monopoly of force for the government. And so the gun control lobby uh, is a wholly owned subsidiary, mainly of foreign, multinational, offshore banks that have already conquered Europe and most of the world, and they're coming in here taking over the United States.
1: Since movies and news shows mirror the interests, values, cultural perspectives, and prejudices of their makers, the interests of the control group are that the people should never have guns, let alone a militia. The values of the control group are that gun control is more important than gun rights. The cultural perspective of the control group is that guns were outlawed in Europe's Old World Order, thus they should be outlawed in America's New World Order. The prejudices of the control group are that ordinary people are incapable of safely and responsibly keeping and bearing arms, and thus their participation in the state militia system is unwise.
8: You know, I think it's very important that uh, people are allowed to be armed, and some people argue that being armed will increase crime, but there's no evidence for this, and uh, actually uh, this whole idea of a permit for concealed carry, it's better than not being allowed to own a gun, but it really isn't a solution. Everybody should have this right uh, to conceal it or not conceal it. Uh, Ultimately, uh, this provides a safer society, and uh, I think some of these rampages could be stopped in the middle of them, and uh, some of the strongest proponents in Texas Uh, came from people whose, they've lost families because nobody was there with a gun that could have stopped some madman.
1: The astute citizen will see that it's a serious liability to the national interest when makers of movies, the gun control group, do not reflect we the people in our diversity and in our agreement with the highest law in the land, the U.S. Constitution.
10: Me a little bit more info on what the is
1: about. In this documentary, we've seen why it's important for there to be diversity at all levels of the mainstream media, both in the Hollywood movies, on the nightly news, and in other mass-disseminated shows and programs.
12: A democracy depends upon ideas and people arguing and, and kicking things around and theorizing. Yeah, and conspiracy theories flying and people agreeing or invalidating, arguing and hammering out the truth. So that to the degree the trolls on the bridge to liberty, the control group, truncate the information flow to the civilization, we don't have a complete set of information to make decisions with.
1: The thesis of this documentary can thus be boiled down to the following simple, if not axiomatic points. 1. Movies and media are powerful influences on human behavior. two. Movies and media reflect their makers' interests, values, cultural perspectives, and prejudices. 3. If the makers of movies and media are a narrowly defined group, the movies and media such group will promote will also be narrowly defined in scope. 4. Democratic society depends on an informed citizenry and a wide scope of ideas and solutions. 5. Any powerful communications channel that limits the free flow of information acts as a restraint of trade on the marketplace of ideas.
9: The free communication of ideas, even dissent, is essential for the survival of a free system. If you can clamp down on the exchange of information, even information that you don't think is appropriate and that you wish didn't exist, If you can do that in the name of the greater good or in the name of decency or political correctness or anti-hate or any excuse that you can come up with that sounds good, you are infringing on the free flow of ideas. You may disagree with the fact that they're wasting a lot of money and that there's a, a $20 million that just disappeared in $100 bills and you have a feeling it went to the contractors and you've got information and they say, you are an enemy of this country. What are you, for the terrorists? Are you questioning our military, our honorable men in uniform? You need to go to prison because you are opposed to this country. You are unpatriotic. You know, they can come up with all kinds of, of ways to accuse dissenters of um, being bad people, when in reality, it's just a cover up for crimes and corruption that are being, being perpetrated. So because of that reality, we must keep the channels of communication open.
1: Diversity should thus be at all levels of the mainstream media, talent, crew, executive and corporate, but especially at the executive level where creative control and financial decisions are made.
15: But here's the real question. The real question everybody wants to know, everybody wants to know in the world,
0: is is Hollywood racist? You're damn right Hollywood's racist, but it ain't the racist you th- that you've grown accustomed to. Hollywood is sorority racist. It's like, we like you, Rhonda, but you're not a kappa. <laughs> That's
4: how Hollywood's, yeah?
12: I think the concept that is hard to get across to people is the concept of diversity and a narrowly defined control group. They think that by calling for a narrowly defined control group's diversification that we are criticizing or invalidating any particular element in that demographic. They think that the call for diversity in the control group is an attack on secular values, uh, liberal values, uh, males, uh, Judaism, or European heritage. They take this as a personal attack that if we say that the control group of Hollywood studios and networks is too narrowly defined, meaning everyone in it, not everybody, but 60, 70, 80% of the three top executives are liberal, secular, white, Jewish males of European heritage, we have five factors that are exactly the same in 70%, maybe as high as 80% of the people that control the studios and the networks. They think that we're attacking these people, that we're bigoted or biased or anti-Semitic. No, the, the issue is not any particular thing that these people are because there's nothing wrong with having liberals and progressives and Jews and whites and people of European heritage in the control group. But when 70% of them, 80% of them are all exactly that, we got a lack of diversity problem, Houston.
15: Which means this whole no black nominees thing has happened at least 71 other times, okay? you got to figure that it happened in the 50s, in the
0: 60s, you know, like you know, in the 60s, one of those years, Sydney didn't put out a movie.
1: When six conglomerates are staffed by talents, crews, and executives of any narrowly defined group, we the people will be subject to the interests, values, cultural perspectives, and prejudices of such narrowly defined group.
2: So what, what it all comes down to is that we have an industry here, an important communications industry, a communications medium uh, called motion picture, which is controlled and has been controlled for its, I don't know, 115 year existence by pretty much the same people. A small group of politically liberal, not very religious, Jewish male, European heritage, uh, and that lack of diversity at the top results in a, a lack of diversity in the movies in terms of both people who are portrayed in the movies Uh, positively and negatively and it it results in patterns of bias it uh, came about because of massive discrimination so thousands of lives have been ruined over the years by those arbitrary choices that have been been, being made based on nepotism cronyism and favoritism and other forms of discrimination and our democracy is being weakened uh, as a result because of the uh, the narrow spectrum of ideas that are being Uh, disseminated through motion pictures uh, by this narrowly defined group that controls Hollywood. The Supreme Court observed that mass media may affect
1: public attitudes and behavior in a variety of ways, ranging from direct espousal of a political or social doctrine to the subtle shaping of thought which characterizes all artistic expression. Given this, we the people and those shareholders who own the publicly-held mainstream media corporations should work together to create more diversity in the executive ranks of the Hollywood-based studios and the New York-based networks.
5: The Supreme Court, I think, was expressing uh, essentially self-evident truth that the mass media is presenting ideas in all sorts of forms. They can be presenting political theories, Political news, political fact. But the point is that motion pictures can go from fact to fiction. And across that wide spectrum, you can have all sorts of political influence. What political theories do you promote? Which ones do you denigrate? Which political facts do you choose to present in the nightly news or in the documentaries? What kind of uh, political uh, opinions? Do you allow to be expressed with favor, or do you treat with disdain? What sort of fiction do you provide? The good guys have particular political viewpoints. The bad guys have the opposite. And in the long run, inundation of the public with particular viewpoints, whether presented as fact, opinion, or in some kind of fictional mode, are going to have long-term effects. He goes and he looks at the nightly news and the news tells him these are the facts about what's going on in Syria or Turkey or Bulgaria or whatever the country may be. Is he going to go himself and research those questions to determine whether that's true? Or is he going to accept it, especially when he sees it day after day, night after night, week after week, because some of these things go on for a long period of time. And the same thing with uh, fictional presentations. If the fictional presentations that he sees all take a particularly favorable attitude towards the Department of Homeland Security, towards the National Security Administration, uh, surveilling everyone in the world and so forth and so on. What is the impression that will be left in the mind of that viewer? It should
1: now be obvious that were it not for the internet, social media, and the Second Amendment, liberal, secular, anti-Christian, anti-American socialist forces in league with rogue apparatchiks in the DC swamp and the establishment political parties would by now have completely overrun the US Republic.
15: So the more freedom we have, the more liberty we have, the more opportunity we have. You know, we we complain about what we hear coming out of Hollywood. And many of the actors and actresses, you know, say things that to many of us are just abhorrent.
0: Blowing up the White House. How
15: many actors and actresses, how many people in that industry would be willing to speak out in alternative ways, with alternative ideas, if they weren't worried that by doing so would destroy their career. How many people are sitting there in silence and they're not saying anything? They don't agree with a lot of these things that are going on in Hollywood, or the news media, or education, whatever it may be. But for fear of character assassination, for fear of losing their job, for for fear of being politically destroyed or economically destroyed. We need to give them a free platform that they can speak and that they can express themselves and get rid of this oligarchic dictatorship that literally is strangling the life out of our mainstream institutions and ultimately out of the life of our free republic.
1: It's clear that over 50 million Americans are now aware of the globalist agenda and its destruction of the U.S. manufacturing base, all promoted by the mainstream
14: media. I believe that globalization is inevitable, but people are scared of all this change, and what we have to do is to convince them that change can be their friend, and the way to do it is to say, okay, we're going to compete, and we're going to win over the long run. Did Seattle surprise you? No. I think uh, I knew there'd be a lot of people there. I was surprised that there would be so many basically creeps there who would try to, you know. instigate it, you Yeah, throw yeah. rocks through it. it were just a very small percentage of those thousands of people who were doing this. Um, most of them were there to express their opposition to some aspect or another of this process of globalization.
3: Happy holidays. Thank you. President Clinton back with more of Larry King Live after this.
1: It's now clear that rogue politicians, lobbyists, neocons, Zionists, central bankers, and multinational corporations have hijacked Congress to pass NAFTA, GATT, and TPP, all free trade agreements promoted by the mainstream media.
14: Today, as I sign the North American Free Trade Agreement into law, negotiators from 112 nations are seeking to conclude negotiations on a new round of the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, a historic worldwide trade pact, one that would spur a global economic boom. I call on all the nations of the world to seize this moment and close the deal on a strong GATT agreement within the next week.
8: The Constitution is a document uh, to restrain the government. And uh, if you don't obey the Constitution, then you, uh, you don't restrain government, you expand government. If you look at what's happened the last 100 years, I mean, whether it's foreign policy, attack on civil liberties, or economic policy, it's uh, government intervention constantly growing, and Republicans are Democrats. It's always more instead of less. And I think basically that uh, it's because they don't follow their oath of office and obey the Constitution.
3: How would you like to lower the country's trade deficit and balance the payments by giving all Americans and all businesses tax deductions for buying American products and 90% profits going to American companies? Would that
0: work?
14: Uh, I I wonder whether it would even be... uh, Legal? Yeah, it it would certainly, I think, violate uh, some of our international trade agreements and it might cause others to retaliate against us.
1: But above and beyond the madness, the one story we should now promote especially on the silver screen, is the story of liberty. In this scenario, Americans need not rely on imports. America can manufacture its own products. Americans can innovate and develop their own alternatives to oil and fossil fuels. Americans could even develop a free energy system and make all things Middle East a thing of the past. Most of all, Americans in partnership with free enterprise capitalism should limit the U.S. government to a size supported only by the taxes specified in the U.S. Constitution. This is the vision of the founders and their script for prosperity. And it's up to we the people to greenlight this script and shepherd the mainstream media back to nobler pastures, a place where the fruits of liberty can be enjoyed by all. A place where we can make America greater than anyone ever imagined. Now that would be a twist in the plot.